Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Natural Hat Trick. Hosted by Luke Lipinski and Craig Morgan. Welcome into episode 268-ish of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. You hesitated. I have no idea if it's 268 or not. Uh, I'm the hesitant Luke Lipinski. I think it is. I, I Honestly, I think it's like 268. Because I don't remember. Now How about this? To convince yourself. Yeah, I really am. It's it's probably sad. Uh, Craig, how you doing? I'm great. Yeah. Just Happy got back birthday. from Sedona. Nice birthday weekend. My daughter's birthday, of course, as well. We were, we were born one week apart, so we celebrate them together all the time. And yeah, it was cool. It was great to be up there. It was, I haven't done anything like that. I haven't like left the valley in so long. It was just <laughs> nice to, to get out. That's why there hasn't been any huge coyotes news, because you haven't left the valley. No, you know, I got away with it for, for an entire weekend. I mean, yeah. the biggest thing was Ilya Labushkin coming back, so. No, well, that might be big, actually, the way they, uh, they the way their defense is structured right now. Uh, well, first of all, let's open with uh, you should always rate and review the show if you haven't. Please, thank you. Make the uh, show more accessible to others. Yeah, and I also wanted to yeah, – I, I, look, we'll get to the listener questions, but, you know, I, I kind of want to talk about this idea of finding a third host. Mm, um, interesting. Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are, but, you know, it, it feels – it kind of feels like we should have a third host <laughs> – uh, serving as a replacement. What do you think? <laughs> serving as a replacement, huh? Wait, wait. Interesting. What, what are you guys talking about? Uh, this is like a super villain move right here. You need entrance music. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How did you guys coordinate that where he dialed up right as you were saying it? That was... it really wasn't that hard. Oh. Yeah, it, 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 modern technology is amazing, Luke. That's still, without a doubt, the most impressive thing that's ever been done on this podcast. For the record, I did not know Jamie Eisner was going to appear, and he just did with his Eisner backdrop, which is just the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, that's all uh, it says, know, actually. There's, it's, it's not uh, advertising anything else. All it says is Eisner. Yeah, It's supposed it, it, to be, but, but Eisner is the only thing you can actually read. Yeah, it's really, I'm just advertising myself. It's really, it's like my own around the horn background. Like in case you forgot who I was while you're watching, you can just see my name splashed all across my backdrop. You're basically Woody Page. You're a you're much younger much. Woody Page. Pretty much. much. Younger, I don't have the chalkboard. Not yet. And a much more coherent there. Woody Page too. Um, eh, roughly. Mm, so Jamie, maybe, maybe we should ask you, what do you think we should do about replacing Jamie? 
Uh, well, I mean, look, it's, it's tough to replace the irreplaceable. No, I understand no. that. I understand why this is such a dilemma. Uh, I, I get it, but uh, I, look, I would be okay if you moved on and found, you know, a newer, lesser version of myself to, to add to the podcast. It's going to be hard to do. I would be okay. I, 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 true. Which part? Go ahead. The lesser part. The lesser. It's going to be hard to find a lesser version. <laughs> I knew that's what you meant. I just wanted to spell it out for our listeners. Oh, thank you. Somewhere Gilbert Anthony is slamming his brakes on and throwing his phone out the window right now. This was a nice surprise for him. And then for nonlinear progression, um, donut delivery, donut ball delivery. Yes. Right? Is, that, is that the full name now? Yeah. yeah. Shout out. He well, follows me on Twitter. Uh, uh, since you're here, um, yes. give us, give us your nonlinear progression team of 2021 so far. Ooh, I have one thought that comes to mind. Well, who's comes to mind for you immediately? Well, the team that's getting smoked 6-1 to one right now by Montreal, the uh, Vancouver Canucks, who only play Montreal apparently this year. So what, that'll put them at what, 6-6 six and six for the year? Yeah, I think they're, they're a good one, uh, especially considering that there was so much hype in British Columbia for that team, mostly undue. Um, they could be a big point, the source of that hype, yes. Yeah, I mean, they could be a, a – I mean, would I be shocked if they were finished as the, a four seed in that division? No, but were they a cup contender? No. So they kind of got what they deserved here. Yeah. I, also, well, I, just, I don't know who else it would be if it's not them. Well, I, I have a just a non-progression progression team, which is Detroit. <laughs> you know, yeah. They might That's be worse this year. Yeah. yeah. Boy, they're awful. And that whole division is awful. They're awful in a division where they play like four mediocre teams for 32 of their games. Four or mediocre. five, really. Well, I mean, Tampa's, Tampa's great. Yep. Dallas and Carolina, I would say, are good. And then there are four other teams and Detroit. Not a bad division to be in. You're calling the Blackhawks mediocre. I, I appreciate that. That's kind of you. Uh, well, only because they're going to get seven or eight wins against Detroit. Maybe that's why. Right. I did look. There. Can you explain to us, Craig, what their top line is? Because I, for some reason, was looking at their lines today. It's Pat, yes, it's Patrick Kane and then two other guys. I'm sorry. No, I, I don't watch the Blackhawks anymore. Oh, okay. Uh, Detroit and Tampa is going to be on NBC on Wednesday night. I don't know why they're doing that to the Red Wings. That just it's seems boring. brutal. Is, is NBC still on the air? Have they, have they cut the cord yet? Or when's that happening? Maybe that's their last broadcast is uh, Red Wings lightning, and then they're just gone. Just put that on OLN at this point. Versus... Uh, well, in answer to the question that was brought up, I'm trying to find the exact wording of it. Yeah, okay. Well, let's answer this now since Jamie's here. Nonlinear donut ball delivery. Three-part question. A, any time frame on a replacement for Jamie. B, any chance there will be an update to the show or name or logo if you decide to remain with just two stars. Oh, I like that, stars. C, will 2021 bring us the ever-promised but never-seen T-shirts? Mm, interesting. I, I will be honest. like a subtle dig. Just like I feel like they were all – no, it's not even subtle. Um, until like five minutes ago, I was comfortable if we didn't even replace Jamie. We just had a different like guest every, every once in a while. And, but then Jamie showed up, and I realized this is a possibility if we don't block him. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like that ex that just keeps calling. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I just keep dialing into Zoom. Just random numbers until I hope I find like the right one. Like, I know they're doing a podcast tonight. <laughs> be How many combinations thing. of nine numbers – you just randomly showing up on podcasts across America with your eyes yep. in your backdrop. As far as the illustration is the uh, is the nine year old that we had do the last one still available? 
<laughs> that was not a subtle dig. <laughs> yeah, but now they're like they're older. By the way, didn't we uh, didn't we get a review on that way back when, Luke? That said, oh, yeah. love the show, but it looks like they made this logo in Microsoft Paint. <laughs> <laughs> That's nicer than just the, the yeah, nine year old drew it with stuff. crayons. Um, we had a listener submit a logo, which I was going to switch to. We've had our listeners do a lot of things that we then never take advantage of, including true. t-shirt designs, logos, We always take their, uh, their Starbucks gift cards, though. We take all those, and we use those quickly. Um, Craig was quick to point out that he has a nice, delicious coffee he's drinking for tonight's show. Mm. You hear the ice rattling in it? It's a nice yeah. coffee, too. Oh, well, oh, good for you. Nice. I'm drinking tap water from a hose because that's all I could get before the Speaking show. Speaking of ice, uh, I think we got 12 inches of snow over the weekend. Oh, yeah, the Chicago working out. Wow. Uh, I actually don't mind. I like the uh, apartment living's fine because I don't have to shovel the snow. No. I'm working remotely. The car's in the garage downstairs. It's way too expensive, but you know it is what it is. But I don't have to. I don't have to worry about scraping the car off or doing the sidewalk. So I'm okay. Uh, I don't mind it too much. And all the animal, the, the dog loves the snow. The dog that's never left Arizona in her life loves the snow. Not cold at all. So can't complain. Well, you'll be able to pay for the garage with your appearance fee for showing up on this podcast, I'm sure. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah well, you missed most, it. Uh, go ahead. Well, we got like a half inch of snow last Monday in downtown I, Phoenix. I did see that. I did see. I saw the pictures of like Salt River Fields, which is always, for whatever reason now, over the last six or seven years, is the go-to snow photo location for yes. the Phoenix metro area. Like, if there's any there. snow, it's going to be Salt River Fields. They have to yeah. show it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's yeah. It, it snowed where I was, and it, 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 was, it was like a good inch, and then like two hours later, it was gone. But it stuck. So there it ain't you go. gone here. No. <laughs> uh, all right. By the way. Speaking of this, by the way, I checked my, my, my fancy schmancy weather app today because I'm a loser, and I actually like, paid money for one. Oh. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, which I know has nothing to do with this podcast. I'm already ruining this tangent just by coming back on the show again. Uh, I, I look down to see a high of negative two. So someone's going to have to explain to me. They're taking degrees away now, and I just don't understand. It's a high of negative two in Chicago? Yeah, it's going to be negative 13 to negative two is Super Bowl Sunday. Wow. I feel like Craig oh, could have warned yeah. you, but he seems to be enjoying this instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know, the worst part, Jamie, is this is going to last another three months. You think it's going to end, but it, it just doesn't end. Yeah, that's what I've, I've been hearing ever since I got here, and it wasn't too bad. But everyone's like, eh, February. Like that, I, everybody said, just wait till February, and it's, it's happening. But luckily, Nobody can do anything in the world ever, so it's not as bad. I can still yeah. sit at home with negative two. Winter pretty easily here, actually. That is true. Like it's car, man. That, that's yeah. a big deal. There. Just or moving it from one side. Well, you have a garage, which is yes, a big step ahead Parking of a lot garage. of problems. You have to move their car from one side of the street to the other to avoid the plows? burying them. Yeah, like I, I originally was like two hundred and ninety dollars a month for a parking spot was troublesome, but then like I think about the ease and my laziness and I go, all right, I mean, I guess it's fair. $290 to, to continue being lazy is not that much of a price to pay. If you think about it, I know it's Uber eats his business model. <laughs> um, here's the real question. And I can never remember with you, you refuse to drink hot drinks, yes. right? Hot drinks, hot desserts. Is that, that going to change? Over. No, I still get iced coffees uh, from the, the very few times I leave the house nowadays. I still get iced coffee. I made my own frappuccino you won't, you won't in the blender. Dessert. Like a you know, hot, cookie right out of the oven, you, a chocolate chip cookie, you won't no. eat that. 
You won't touch that. I mean, not, well, not that I won't touch. I don't prefer it. Well, if you're going to touch like, it, I you just, should eat it. Yeah. I mean, especially nowadays. But yeah. I don't prefer it. No, I would much rather have a, a cold or a room temperature cookie or brownie than a hot cookie or brownie or baked Alaska or any other anything. Anything you want to light on fire for dessert, I'm out on. This explains so much. Like smoky. So no, I really literally – Maybe it does. Uh, I'm fascinated by this. I want yeah, to like I, I literally made. Uh, yeah, no, no. This is this is this has been a long time topic that everybody makes fun of me for. Like, yeah. I just I. But we've never yeah. reached the root of it. I don't know what it is. You know, if if I really think back, if I go back to my childhood, okay. you know, I've always associated desserts. No, but this is interesting. I, it's really not interesting. But you brought this up now. I've always associated desserts with something cold. Always. Like, it was always ice cream. I was, I love, I was like obsessed with 7 Eleven Slurpees. Like, I, I always associated cold with dessert when I, even when I was in New York as a kid. And then obviously Florida, Arizona, where it's, you know, not, not cold. Always cold for dessert. So there's like some weird thing. Like, I want, I, I want my desserts and my, uh, my beverages in particular, like one half of a degree above freezing. I don't the the beverage thing. I like the dessert, whatever. You're just you're strange. That's fine. But the okay. beverages, like I I don't understand how you can do that and never have like a hot chai, which is really all I'm talking about. I mean, other hot yeah, drinks. Well, are no, waste. that that that's your that's your drink of choice. No, this I do. You, do you think anybody's ever taken a Slurpee and melted it down and had a hot Slurpee? Like just drink the syrup hot. I'm sure somebody has, um, right? I, if they have, I do not want to meet that person. In person. I feel like I feel like if they have, they listen to our show. Like that's our audience, and I want them to write in and tell us how it is. That's the new co-host. Yes, <laughs> whoever drinks a hot Slurpee first. Um, did you guys want to talk any hockey here tonight, or is that uh, maybe we'll get around to it? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's ease into it. So it's not quite hockey. It's Tony D'Angelo. Let's go there first. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, hey. Um, hey. <laughs> Uh, where um where do he we probably boils the slurpees yeah let's <laughs> just start with the news that tony d'angelo was on waivers and 30 other teams chose not to claim him hmm. many of which needed defensemen well i think the I waiver process was play. rigged no yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably was they need to go back and double check the waivers they, they stopped uh, the count before all 30 other teams got a chance to, to uh, submit okay. waiver claims on, well, that's that's about as logical as what did you say, Craig? That Pat Brisson is saying that uh, sure nobody claimed him on waivers, but they're going to trade for him now. Yeah, he insists they'll, they'll he'll be traded soon. Get, am I missing something here? <laughs> I guess you, eating half a salary, and I, they'll get a, a yeah. pick that won't matter. <laughs> I, he's only got one year left after this year. Okay, so it, it's not like the contract is prohibitive, especially for a guy who can run a power play the way he can and, and produce offense. But you're going to give up an asset for him instead of just claiming him? Am I missing something? Seriously, am I missing something? I don't know. No. I, well, I mean, if you're missing it, I'm missing it too. I think if, if I was a team that wanted Tony D'Angelo and I had decided I'm willing to put up with that because of the offensive numbers he gives me, I would have just claimed him on waivers. Like you said, it's not like you're claiming some guy that's way overpaid. And, and the contract is an issue, I just would have claimed him because now, now you're going to have to give something up for him. For our listeners, a lot of whom are Coyotes fans, I heard that there was a meeting about this. They threw this around and basically everyone in the room said, no way. The Coyotes? So that should tell you something, yeah. That should tell you something, right? He is I, – I, I, somebody's probably going to pick him up at some point. 
But this guy has done so much wrong in the league. And, and I think people from the outside just look at it and say, oh, it's just PC. It's so much more than that. And I, I don't mind saying it. I don't mind throwing all the things out there, whether it's racism or sexism or altercations. You name it, Tony D'Angelo has done it. I could talk about something that he did with a former colleague, but it wouldn't be fair to her. He's not a good human being. Thomas Drance, who, who covers the Canucks for uh, The Athletic, tweeted today that Tony D'Angelo does not belong in the league. I'm not sure we can go far enough to say that on our own. I'm not sure it's our place to say it, but I pretty much agree with what Thomas tweeted today. I don't think Tony D'Angelo deserves to be in this league until he goes through some major changes in his life. Yeah, I I will say, I mean, because we've talked about him on the show before, and I've always stayed pretty neutral. And look, to be fair, all of my interactions with him when he was with the Coyotes – he was great to me, but that's obviously not the whole story. And I will, I will say for about three years now, Craig has been warning people on this podcast, like expect something like this to happen. I'm not in New York. I don't know all the behind the scenes stuff. I know what's out there being reported, but if you're looking at it and saying, well, he got, he, he just got waived because of a tweet. That's not it. No. And you saw what Gordon, Jeff Gordon said too. you know, he had told him, look, if your name comes up in anything else, you're getting put on waivers and then he has the altercation with the goalie and okay. So he's doing this with teammates now too. I mean, and that's, it's a different story here than some of the other things that I literally have seen or heard, but this is who Tony D'Angelo is. And I think to echo that point of why this is the next step, because for those who may have not been in a lot of professional sports locker rooms or dressing rooms before, if having a just from a political standpoint, from having a quote unquote conservative viewpoint is not an uncommon occurrence in a professional sports locker room nope. in any any of the major leagues, any of them. It's so there's that's always like the thing I always laugh about when 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 it's we have like the Tony D'Angelo's or and for baseball example, the Aubrey Huffs of the world of there the idea of that is not, and this goes even goes to the Kurt Schilling argument in the other sport of like the idea that being conservative or having conservative political leanings is, is going to ostracize you from your locker room. It's not likely to be the case. Nope. Like we've all been in them in multiple sports to different degrees. Uh, I find uh, the MLB locker rooms to be the most conservative that I've been Absolutely. in, in general. But each of them, they kind of, they are more right-leaning than left-leaning. Like I just, in general. So just having a political viewpoint or being pro-Trump was not what caused this. There are much deeper issues that have gone on for a lot longer than just what happened this past week with an altercation that led to this. And at some point, you just got to say, I'm I'm sick, you're sick of the BS. You're trying to run a team. You're trying a team that's not performing great, but you're kind of hopeful for, and it's a lot of young guys on that team. At some point, you just want to move on and just want to deal with the drama anymore. Yep. He's not worth it. He's just not worth it. Well, and the reality is it's, you know, fair or not, we're not talking about Victor Hedman or Seth Jones or some amazing defenseman. He will give you decent offensive numbers from the blue line. But to your point, Jamie, you're a, a relatively young New York team building for the future more so maybe they make the playoffs this year, but that's a tough division to, to crack the top four. And it's like, it's not, it's not like he's so good defensively. You're making some huge sacrifice from your team. They have other ways they can score. They need a guy that can play defense. So I'm not saying that that's the reason they got rid of him. but if we were talking about Victor Hedman or some just shut down defenseman, maybe they would have been more hesitant to do it. That's just the reality of the situation. But like Craig just said, not worth the trouble with what he gives you and, 
know, I mean, the bottom line, if you want to, if you want to look past everything else, he basically just got into a fight with his own goalie the other day after, yeah, like Craig said, Jeff Gordon told him after the first game of the season, I don't want to hear your name again and any more like any more controversy. And then you get into it with your own goalie. Like that's, that's a, that's a quick way out of town. That's a gots uh, to go situation. Are you surprised at all that nobody claimed him? I, I didn't know how that was going to play out. I didn't know how much intelligence the other teams had on him. Now, I had heard that Steve Eiserman couldn't wait to get him out of Tampa when he came to Arizona. And then, you know, listen, uh, John Chica made that move and I think found out later that Tony D'Angelo didn't have a place in this organization either. So that was a mistake to bring him in. I think more and more, more and more people obviously have learned who he is. You, you do enough calling around and you, you, you talk to enough sources that you trust within the league. You find out a lot of bad things about this guy. And so he goes unclaimed today. It's just, it's poetic justice for me. Um, let's switch over to New Jersey, which nobody's ever said before happily, which but, is, uh, is that where Tony D'Angelo is from? I can't remember. I don't, I, I, I don't I know. That was but, well, yeah, I was just kind of moving down the Eastern seaboard. Um, they're not playing for a while. It doesn't sound like. What was it? Ten people last. We're recording this on Jersey, Monday night. Oh, look at that! See, Jamie's here for a reason. Uh, last I heard was ten different Devils are dealing. They're in the NHL COVID protocol, so they're not playing for a while. Yeah, and that's the, you. You start to worry when you see things like this. We've obviously had some other issues with Dallas and with uh, Carolina. And, yeah, what's that? Vegas. Yeah, Vegas. yeah. So. You, you don't want to see the NHL season devolve into this where it just gets more and more prevalent. And especially when we're so close to inoculation, but you know, maybe this is just reality. Uh, I don't, I don't know the the particulars of how all those guys managed to contract it, but yeah, this is going to stink if we have a lot of these incidents because it just, I mean, it's already a disjointed season. It's already really difficult to, to, to get through all of the hurdles that you have to cross in this season when you throw this in, if you have to make up games, it's it's just really hard on teams when they have to jam all the more games into a shorter window because they had uh, this period of postponement. I do think, though, we're going to – I'm hopeful we don't, but I, I still kind of feel, and I felt all season long, that this is going to still come back down to point percentage at the end of the year. Uh, I, I think it's – there's just too many games on the line, too many things you can't control – and the reality is, is the, the NHL doesn't isn't as flexible as some of these other leagues can be, and they have so many games they have to play. I I would be very pleasantly surprised if all of the teams get through their entire schedule. I do I think we're going to have to get to the points percentage at some point, and at least the the kind of the the backdoor way that this is okay is the this weird but necessary divisional alignment. So if you're dealing with a lot of missed games, but it's all mostly in the same division, makes it a little bit easier to stomach when it's affecting each other uh, than it is if it's affecting all these different conferences around the league like it was when the last season ended abruptly. That's a good segue unless you have something to add, Luke. Well, I was just going to – I don't know where you're going to segue, but I I do think that the NHL essentially being broken into four mini leagues is going to give it a a better chance of getting through this season than the NBA. I I do sort of agree with Jamie that – I think the NBA will get through it too because I, I like the way they scheduled only halfway and then they can go ahead and, and adjust in the second half. But for the NHL where you can, you're almost like four little, they're not bubbles, but you're just playing the same seven teams or in the Canadian division, six teams all season. You know, if, if every team in a division only gets to play 50 to 52 games, it makes it a little bit easier. And you're just, 
it, we're going to get sick of seeing the same teams. Like when the Coyotes have played Minnesota six times, we're all going to be sick of it. But at the, after two, but yeah, it's true. By 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 next weekend. Um, but just the fact that you are broken up this way, and I mean NHL rosters, hockey rosters, are obviously a lot bigger than NBA rosters. I think the NHL has a has a better chance to get through the season relatively unscathed. But we have. I mean, we've already seen it, like you said, with Carolina, Dallas, uh, Vegas, and and now with New Jersey, we've already seen it in what three of the four divisions. Yeah. That. Again, I just hope it doesn't devolve into something worse than this. Hopefully they can mitigate this a bit. But getting back to point percentages, I'm glad you brought that up because we were talking about the Central Division before. And my proof that the Central Division is even worse than I thought it was going to be is that Florida is undefeated and is atop that division right now after playing only six games. The Panthers are 5-0-1. They played Detroit. They played Chicago. So that'll help. That will help. And and I want to say Bobrovsky has looked a little bit better, but the caveats there are he was so terrible last year, how could he not look better? And they've played Chicago and they've played Detroit. So, yes, naturally he's going to look better. And Columbus. Not like Columbus is amazing either. It's not like in the sub-900 save percentage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, not good, just better. I mean, I called that – to be honest, I called that at the start of the season. I don't think Columbus is a playoff team. I really don't. I think they did – amazing things last year to to do to accomplish what they did i don't think they're a playoff team but when you look at this division who's who's the fourth playoff team i don't know yet somebody's going to get in that probably doesn't deserve a playoff spot i I think it could be florida god awful in this division though yeah i guess i I, I, I think i could see florida Yeah, yeah, like they're not great, but they're a borderline playoff. Like they're not five zero and one good, but they're they're a borderline playoff team. I think they would have been my four. Uh, them or Nashville have both like just like meh. Like yeah. a meh team is that is going to win the four spot. Mm-hmm. If you took all thirty-one teams and the schedule was just you play the other thirty teams twice or whatever, so it was just one big thirty-one team division. How many teams from the Central would finish in the top sixteen? Like two, maybe three. Top sixteen. Yeah, like if you just said we're going to take the 16 playoff teams, they're just going to be the 16 yeah. best teams in hockey. I'd say three, Tampa, Dallas, and Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like that uh, – I, I keep wanting to call it the Metro Division, but the division with uh, Washington and Boston and, and the East. East Division. I feel like that one would have like maybe six. Also, while we're on the divisions, Craig has heard me rant about this before the season even began, and I'll just reiterate it because it's getting worse there's a decent number of Canadian-based hockey podcasts I listen to. They have not mentioned an American team barely once all season. And really, it was just last week to point out that the Penguins GM left. All I'm hearing is Canadian, Canadian, Canadian because of the, the, the Canadian division. It is a seven-team league up there right now. Jamie, please. This is why you're here for moments like this. Uh, for what, the, the Pittsburgh oh, stuff for the Canadian? I don't even know what I'm supposed to – I don't know what was my gimmick here other than, like, the Canadian – I just, I just figured you'd laugh at someone in Canada. I just, no, I actually – I'm very much enjoying this Canadian division. I am uh, too, because, but I would like to hear about the other three divisions. Well, here's the thing. I, at least this year they're not going to pretend because they give it, like, the cursory of, like, oh, yeah, there are other teams that play hockey, which is they have to do usually in the final two rounds of the postseason and always in the Stanley Cup championship because they never have any teams there. But it's nice of them to at least, you know, feign it earlier in the year. Uh, but it, it's, it's actually a really fun, exciting division because they're all going to cannibalize each other. 
It's going to be great because if one succeeds, the other has to fail, which means there's going to be a market somewhere, aside from Ottawa where nobody cares, but there's a market somewhere else for those other six teams that are all going to be miserable. So, you know, on any given night, you get to make half of Canada sad, which I think is a win for us all. It is my favorite division. By far, it has been the most entertaining hockey, and I think it's only going to get more entertaining as the season goes on. I just have this fear that at the end of the year when Toronto makes the Stanley Cup because a Canadian team was guaranteed to get into the Final Four, that there's going to be a strong push north of the border to have this division be a permanent division. I'm actually okay with that. I was talking about this with Bob Heathouse the other day. I'm, I'm okay with the idea of a Canadian division because it also ensures that we'll only have one team in the Final Four each year. So That's never been an issue since like we were alive. Look, I, I, but I'm, I'm with Greg here. I, I actually like this division. I hope this stays. I know, it doesn't, I know it's a pain in the ass for the Western Canadian teams. I get it, travel-wise and everything else. But uh, I think this is, it's really exciting. And I, like, to me, this is you want rivalries because this goes beyond just the players. Like I, a great sports rivalry needs the fan bases to hate each other. And particularly if they, they hate, each, hate other each other for non-sports reasons, that's why I'm saying it's so good. Like there's got to be real heat that 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 extends beyond sports. Like you got to be making fun of each other's airports and landmarks and stuff. Like that's what makes a good sports rivalry. Are there any landmarks in Winnipeg? They um, um, they have an intersection that they love to talk about. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot of poutine insults. I, look, Canadians are the nicest people in the world unless you turn them on each other when it comes to hockey. Like if we keep this division within three years, that country is going to be four countries because they're just going to split apart. So what do you think of this idea? What do you think of because we're going to be a 32 team league next year. What do you think about adding Buffalo to the Canadian division cuz it's a border city anyway and you okay. know, a lot of us, you know. And it would give the Canadian cities a, you know, sort of a, a whipping boy. <laughs> it's it's easy. I mean, Jamie does it already. It's you true. could move the, you could do that or you could just move, move Buffalo to Halifax and then have Vancouver and Halifax have to fly like 700 miles to <laughs> games which would be cool by me too. This the is, problem is is you're starting to deal with now but I believe is isn't Nova Scotia on like a half hour time zone? Cuz now we're going to start to I'm going to have to start to do math to figure out when these these puck drops are going to happen and I'm not a fan of more it could math. just not be our problem Jamie we could ignore it because it's north that, of the border. Yeah. That's true. That That's is very the easiest way to do it. I mean, I ignore Buffalo now. Well, not really. They're I mean, on your that's radar. True. You no, no, no. The way that Canadian media ignores Arizona. Mm, that's, they, fair. I, that's a great comp. in a while, and it's with very yeah. close words. Although I will not go to one single Buffalo City Council meeting. I guarantee you that. I, will, I promise you that will never be me. Do you think there will be anybody there quacking? Or is that just strictly an Arizona thing? Asking about their water bill. Um, I wouldn't be horribly opposed to it, but what I would like, if you're going to put Buffalo in that division, have an 18 division that's Canadian, I just, if you're going to do that, let's distinguish that the Canadian division and the East division are one conference and the Central and the West are the other, and then just take the two division winners and then seed the rest of the teams three through eight. Like, I don't like the idea that we have to have four from every division. Oh, no. I get it for this year, but going forward, we need to change it. Because as Jamie so eloquently just said, it sucks. And he's right. Yeah. And again, this year, you got to do what you got to do to get through this. Like, I'm, yeah, not, this I'm not throwing stones. You got to get through the season. And some of that means competitive balance and quote unquote fairness goes out the window to try to get the season done. Like, I, I get that. But no, we need fewer guaranteed spots in the postseason. I, I just want to get different matchups and two, just to get better teams. 
Yeah. Uh, a couple teams in that Canadian division. Let's uh, start with Montreal, who I did not think would be amazing this year. I saw people projecting them to finish first in that division. I still think that's insane, but they have looked better. And granted, it's like two weeks, but they've looked a lot better than I expected. I guess it's been three weeks now, but a lot better than I anticipated. And I, you look at them and they seem a lot more like a team than they have in years past. Like their role players are, are actually playing their roles. And Jeff Petrie scores every night, which I don't understand. Yeah, they're, they're scoring like crazy, which honestly I didn't see coming. I really didn't see that kind of offense from this team. They have 39 goals in nine games. Yeah. I can't up imagine the lineup. up. What's that? And up and down the lineup. Like yeah, they're, yeah. They're getting scoring from everywhere. I mean, a lot of it is just Tyler Toffoli scoring against his former team because they play Vancouver every night. But I'm pretty sure Petrie's up to four goals already, and it feels like he has like 10. Every time I look up, he's scoring a goal. Uh, are you going to mention – Former Halifax Moosehead great Jonathan Drouin. Well, obviously, I was going to leave that for you. There you go. And by the uh, way, Carey Price, I think he might have finally tonight with his um, with the six two win over Vancouver finally got over nine hundred save percentage. But it's not like Carey Price has been carrying them. Like this is a different Montreal. They're, they're winning in a different way than we've seen Montreal put together wins in the past. They are another team that that is uh, remarkable is Edmonton in the sense that what was it eleven points from Drysaddle and McDavid last night. Yes. And they just – they don't get better. They, like, there's a They're chance – They're below 500. Yeah. I mean, I want to – I look at this team, and I'm, if I look at that division, I say Edmonton and Toronto should be the two best teams pretty clearly. And there's definitely a path. It Really, if just Edmonton stays on the path they're on, where they're going to miss the playoffs. With two guys that are scoring two points per game. Yeah. Two, <laughs> two, yeah, two of the top five players in the game right now, and they're going to they, – they have a chance of missing the playoffs. It's see, it is. It's nice to see because for so long we always had to like. There's always this narrative like you can't win without a quality center, and Edmonton's like we'll get two superstars and watch us lose. It's amazing. L- love what they're doing to change. You break the narratives up there. They won't in, pay in any the, attention to goaltending. No, or, or really anything else. That Dave Tippett, darn it! You know, stop coaching just offensive-minded teams. It's just ridiculous. Oh yeah, Not, yeah. <laughs> you know, this guy just doesn't know how to coach defense. It's so <laughs> good lord! I mean, I, it, this is—I can't even. What is a comp in sports to this? Having two of arguably the five best players in the league and then being mediocre. Like it I doesn't, cannot, It doesn't happen. I can't remember. I haven't really thought about the other sports. I mean, I guess maybe in baseball, but it's a little bit different in baseball with like Mike Trout and. But like, there's a drop off of Mike Trout to to whoever that is. But yeah, yeah. but 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 like in hockey, I cannot remember if they missed the playoffs. You know, because they've missed the playoffs a lot with these guys. I cannot remember a time in hockey where you had two amazing players like this. Really, even just one. If you have like a perennial Hart Trophy candidate, you're in the playoffs every year in the NHL. And Edmonton. I mean, they're in fifth in their division right now, and they've played three less games than the team of Winnipeg, who they're behind. The scoring race entering tonight, McDavid has 22 in 11 games. Dreisaitl has 21. The next closest guy in the entire league is Nathan McKinnon with 14. And yet the Oilers, it wouldn't be surprising He's at all. He's from Cole playoffs. Yes, that's the only reason I said his name. Uh, I Almost cannot remember. I, cannot, I can't remember a time in hockey. I can't remember any franchise that has had – even one truly great player that continuously missed the playoffs. They're putting up video game numbers, like legitimately video game numbers, and they're yeah. not, and they're barely competitive. I, it's at this point in McDavid's career, and I'm not blaming him, but it's mind-boggling. If you start to go back and look at the 
Crosby's and McKinnon's and Lemieux's and Iserman's, all these guys. I mean, certainly Gretzky, all these guys, by like their second or third year, they were pretty much in the playoffs for most of their career. Is there a point where he starts to push the issue? Like, are we two years away from him trying to force his way out of Edmonton? Like, at, at, I mean, he's making all the money you could possibly make in terms of, in the NHL for, you know, he's pretty much at the peak of what you're going to make. I really don't. What I, what I, I guess what, I mean, you, you can make an argument that of, of course he's going to sign the long-term contract and sure. commit to this franchise. That's what hockey players do anyway. But do you want to leave yourself some kind of out? He didn't leave himself any kind of out. He is stuck there for six more seasons. Hmm. I, I will say, and I'm going to steal Jamie's bit and, and go across sport here, but I never would have thought Deshaun Watson, just personality-wise, would try and push his way out of Houston. And Houston in football is a dysfunctional mess. I'm not saying the Oilers are a dysfunctional mess. But if I'm Connor McDavid and this goes on for like three more years and he's made the playoffs, let's say, one one time in those three years, yeah, I'm pushing my way out, man. Like, come on. I, I, we're talking about a guy that, that has the talent to go down in history as what, one of the five greatest players of all time? I don't think that's hyperbole. And he's going to miss the playoffs seven out of every 10 years. Like, no, that's not going to work. That's also, by the way, horrible for the NHL. Agreed. Well, yes. And well, it's hopefully they're not there. It's not horrible if McDavid can go somewhere else. I don't think no, it depends on what fine. the market is. I think that would actually be very possible, especially for any sort of us TV deal. But uh, it's just, it's, it's sad to see because you don't know when these windows are going to appear. Like, it, like, think of, and I'm, I'm just going to just drive the stake right through Luke's heart here, but cool. think of the last cup final the Penguins were in. Like, it I didn't can't. feel like that was going to be it for Sidney Crosby in terms of championships. And I'm not saying any of this is his fault, but not like any of this in Edmonton is Connor McDavid's fault. No. You never know. And these are, I mean, these are prime years. These are the years that are like you're making your Hall of Fame case at this point in his career as you're starting this progression. And they're just, they're just there. They're Honestly, just there once again. Shouldn't have allowed Edmonton to jump that high. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like as crazy yeah. as it is, if he had ended up in Arizona, he would have been in the playoffs a lot more. Buffalo, I yeah, think. Buffalo, and then you know. Um, but no, I mean, even back to the like the Crosby point. I mean, first of all, it would have helped if Malkin had spoken louder when he announced his retirement three years ago. But for Crosby, even by like his, I think it was his second year. Maybe it took his, it to his third year. But I mean, once he made the playoffs, he's been in the playoffs every year of his career, and. Yeah. A guy like McDavid should never, ever, ever miss the playoffs. I'll give him his first year, maybe his second year. And again, it's not his fault, but it's amazing to me that they are basically a two-man team. And then occasionally, like Kyler Yamamoto was good last year. Occasionally, a guy will step up on defense. It is inexcusable if you have Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl to continuously miss the playoffs, let alone both of them. Let alone both. They are wasting away a generational talent. You think we'll ever get wasting away. You think we'll ever get to the point where the narrative exists that Connor McDavid doesn't make his teammates better? Yes, I yeah. absolutely believe that will exist. Now, I don't think it's going to be like the prevailing thought, but there will there will be some old curmudgeon-y ex front office person on on well, it's not TSN anymore. Whoever does the Sportsnet uh, that will come out and say this is actually McDavid's fault because he doesn't check enough, <laughs> and he took too or much he, money, right? Or, yeah, he took too much money. He went to St. Petersburg on vacation in 1997, and something else is why he can't lead a, an NHL team to the to a cup. Can't he went wait. to St. Petersburg on vacation the year he was born. That's that is selfishness, right there. Yes. Uh, all right. Anything else in that Canadian division? I find it funny that Vancouver is not the uh, the Stanley Cup winning team that their fans and media all seem to think they are. But um, they're, they're fine. Remember, they're not amazing. 
the last thing, like, do you remember? Because you may have talked about this on the show before, but remember when there was like this fake pretend glimmer of optimism for the Ottawa Senators entering the season? Yeah, vaguely. <laughs> How'd that go? It's not going great. I mean, if you've watched them play, they're basically oh, Brady Kachuk and uh, Brady Kachuk, and that's about it. Um, Everybody got all excited because they gave the, the Maple Leafs like 45 good minutes on opening night, and then yeah. it's been all downhill from there. They have the worst winning percentage in the league. Not ideal. Anything uh, if you're worse than the Red Wings at anything, yes, you really exactly. have to look in the mirror. It's easy to do with the Red Wings in the league, but the I Red think- Wings do play in the Central Division, so – if you watch the Red Wings, it feels like they don't want to be in the league anymore. It's like they just kind of want to break for a couple of years and they want to go rebuild elsewhere. Uh, Pierre Olivier Joseph might be Pittsburgh's second best defenseman already. He's played like three or four games. I wanted to ask you about just that thing. It, it's funny because Pio, he had three assists the other day. Um, we were around him a little bit, got to know him as a, I don't know how much you interacted with him, but he's just an incredible guy. Yeah. I wrote that story a uh, couple of years ago when he gave up the goal because it, it wasn't his or gave up the – I'm trying to even remember what it was. But he, it just exemplary, uh, it exemplifies who he has, is as a human being. He's just this incredibly kind, easy-to-talk-to guy, and it's nice to see him having even a modicum of success right now because there, were, there was a time where we thought here that, okay, he's never going to fill out. He's not even going to be like a third-pair guy. You know, when the Coyotes drafted him, they had hoped he could – rise to second pair and there was a time where people thought he wasn't even going to make it to the nhl so i know it's early you have no idea how that's going to play out but it's really good to see po joseph have a little bit of success and i'm sure you're really happy as a penguins fan because hey they need help on the blue line like for the last 10 years they do i mean they lost again tonight to the rangers that what this i believe was actually his sixth game is that that's i think it was the sixth game i, I mean think so yeah he wouldn't probably have gotten the opportunities in Arizona that he's going to get in Pittsburgh. I know that sounds crazy because I know the Penguins have cups, obviously, but they don't have a defense at all. And, uh, and the Coyotes do. I mean, the strength of the Coyotes team is definitely defense. So that's not to say that he's not good enough to play for the Coyotes, but it's just more he wouldn't have got a look for a while because a guy like Soderstrom would have jumped him. I hope he does well. Like Craig, like you said, he was always a really just a really good guy. And you're right, for a guy that was picked as high as he was, there were just – he constantly heard the doubts that he could even play in the uh, in the league, and he looks good. I mean, it's very early. It's not like he's a shutdown defender, but he's looked better than some of the other Penguins I've seen this year, and, and you figure he's going to get better. Yeah, he's a puck mover. And he, he's always been a pretty fluid skater and a smart player. He played 26 minutes tonight, by the way. So yeah. they're, they're clearly uh, – they're going to find out what they have with P.O. Joseph really fast here. I think he was on the top pairing, if I remember right. I'm pretty sure he was on the top pairing. He played 25 the other night. By the way, Jamie is petting a cat like a true supervillain. Is that a cat or a yes. dog? Yeah. It is a cat. I don't, I'm not quite sure how you can't tell the difference. But yeah, it's, I can it's only cat. see a tail. That's all I can see is a tail uh, and fur. Yeah, so we, we took the plunge. We have a new kitten in, in the house. In the kitten? Because our uh, uh, Starfire is the name uh, of this kitten. I thought you would have named it like Colorado. Kittens Go or something? Yeah, uh, my girlfriend's a huge one, just like the comic, and then I think it's what Teen Titans has the star for. I don't, I don't know the stuff. I watch sports and play po- with Pokemon cards. Like that was my thing as a kid. So, yeah, he's yeah, pretending uh, he didn't name the cat. I, I didn't actually. Uh, unfortunately, we we lost our last cat a few weeks ago. Suddenly, okay. um, so maybe we just saw the Starfire poster behind you too. Yep, yep. No, yeah. it, it, it is right next to the Powerpuff Girls. So to explain why your screen name is Starfire Eisner too. That yep. is all fitting into place. 
Uh, well, but by the way, Luke, you've uh, back to hockey for a quick second. I know you mentioned that you know Vinny Malkin retired, but you also didn't mention that Chris Letang also retired, and whoever yeah. took his place in his body is really bad at hockey. But it, but at least his retirement has been more recent, whereas Malkin just he started to to he. I think he had it written in his contract that he didn't have to play in the playoffs anymore after that cup over Nashville. Malkin just said, I'm done with the playoffs. But this season, he's just not even showing up for the regular season, which is – that's new for him. But do you think, like, Crosby and Malkin just, like, share the same, like, pool of skill set and, like, they just can't both draw from it at the same time? Like, if somebody Tanya Harding's Crosby coming out of Tim Hortons, like, do you think that will be the spark that allows Malkin to play up to his potential? You're you're saying – or is it just because you took him in the first round of our fantasy league is, and you just doomed him from the start? Is that why? Well, usually Malkin's is good during the regular season, so it's not typically an issue. But you're right. When Tom Wilson tries to take Crosby out, which I'm sure he inevitably will, then Malkin will suddenly get good again. But to your point, Crosby's always good when he plays. Malkin, not. Mm-hmm. He's good when Crosby's not playing. It's the weirdest thing. And he also looks like he – I don't want to say forgot how to skate, but just doesn't have any interest in skating this season, which is, you know, it's a big part of hockey is skating. Maybe no. those NHL 100 people had some foresight. Maybe they said the, the time machine that we did not know about. <laughs> so it makes a lot more sense now. Uh, Maybe you have uh, Pittsburgh retirements. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, talking about Jim Rutherford? Yes. Yeah. That was abrupt and odd. Yeah, it was. And it yeah. really cuts out any chance of Jack Johnson coming back to the Penguins. What a shame. Yeah. Also, every time Jack Johnson trends on Twitter, I just, I, I'm afraid to click on it. Yeah. It could literally always, be anything. I always think it's the musician. And then I look and it's like, oh, Jack Johnson shot one at his own goalie and then got the rebound and put it past his own goalie. So, uh, what do you think? I, I mean, it's the people that felt he was in his last year there anyway, but to do it in the middle of a season or even early in the season felt a little weird. The, the really weird – yeah, that did. The really weird part is I believe he signed Yannick Weber like an hour and a half before he announced he was leaving. And oh, What a way to go. Yeah, <laughs> what a statement yeah, move. That's a trivia question. <laughs> and then um, if, you, if you talk to people within the Penguins organization, they all seem legitimately shocked by it, not just the players. Like I know there was that quote floating around that Crosby was shocked that the GM left. Like, yeah, he probably doesn't hang out with the GM very much. But for the team to be surprised – my thought, because Rutherford does not look to the future at all, my fear is that him leaving over what has been called philosophical differences with the, the ownership and the rest of the front office is that he wanted to keep trying to win now and they want to blow the team up. But they say that's not the case. So, And I don't really know how you blow that team up at this point anyway. You've got Crosby and Gensel. You can't trade either one of them, so what are you going to do? And Pierre-Olivier yeah. Joseph, apparently. Yeah, yeah, they're stuck in this like purgatory. Like that's where they are now. They're probably good enough to continue to play in the first round and lose, but that's where the, that's where they are. Like they're not I a cup contender at this place. Yeah, it's it's a bad spot to be in. You're not bad enough to get a pick that's going to change your franchise. You're not good enough to actually make a run, and you don't really have the pieces to trade. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, Rutherford traded away all their picks for like the next 47 years. I I will take this. This is not meant as a shot at you, Craig, but it is. I I will, I will take this over where the Blackhawks have been, which is generally just missing the playoffs. At least Pittsburgh has been getting there, but then they haven't won a playoff series in what feels like a decade. I think it's only been two or three years. Mm -hmm. They legitimately haven't won a playoff series in three years. So. But at least, at least for Chicago, I mean, look, they're, they're, as long as Bowman's there, they're going to continue to, to spin their tires. But at least they have some prospects to kind of to feign some hope that there's a turnaround coming. Pittsburgh? Mm, no. 
Yeah, that that is that's a, a very fair point. Pittsburgh's drop off wasn't nearly as bad as Chicago's, but man, when they hit bottom, I don't know how they're getting back up because Chicago's got a ton of prospects, and yeah, a lot of them play for other teams now, but they still have some of their prospects. Pittsburgh's got Jake Gensel, and he's not a prospect anymore. He's, like another shot, Luke. It did. Wow. Yeah. Do you, do you have your bell? I don't have my ducks here. Don't. I, I just. I've given up the bell. I, I've given up caring. <laughs> He's so beaten down. He doesn't have the energy to ring the bell anymore. He just keeps getting promoted. He's going to own the team in another year. So it's going to be hopeless. Craig's getting all choked up. Uh, We haven't talked about the Patrick line. trade. It happened like right after our last podcast. That's, that's a pretty significant trade. Not just this year, obviously it is, but I don't know that I remember very many that big trades over like the last five years in the NHL. It but two very talented but very disgruntled players in their in their yeah. old environments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, I don't know if you guys saw that shift that they isolated on for Dubois, like his last. Oh, game. I did. Wow. I mean, that's a red flag. He gave up. He was not yeah. trying. You don't do that to your teammates. You don't do that ever, no matter what your situation is. That yeah. No. I. Once I saw that, I'm like, oh yeah, there's especially especially for Tortorella. <laughs> like he's lucky he got to sit on the bench. I'm surprised he didn't just say, just go back to the locker room, don't even bother. Like, don't even bother. Just get get undressed now. We don't care. Like, we'll play a man down. Uh, you are it, it's anyway. bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it it's bad. And it's interesting, like watching Patrick Lyonnais fall from grace in Winnipeg too, which started what last year or midway through two years ago where the, the goal scoring kind of went down and everyone went, Oh yeah. He does literally nothing else. Like when he's, yeah. if he's not going to score 40 goals, you're getting depreciating returns. 25 goal. Patrick line is not good. Enough. Doesn't do enough in the rest of the game to make it worthwhile to put him in the top six. We've talked about this before with other players around the league. If you're a guy that, that doesn't do anything else, you better produce offense. And, and that's tough because offense, unless you are the truly elite of the elite, is it's just not consistent every single night. You can give effort. You can be a good defensive forward every single night. Like, that doesn't have to be inconsistent. But if you don't do anything else, then you need to score or put up points every night. And like I said, unless you're McDavid or Matthews or Dreisaitl or McKinnon, like, there's a list of maybe 15 guys you can count on that they're going to put up a point pretty much. They're going to put up 10 points every 10 games, whether, you know, they miss a game or two in there. But, man, like, Dubois is at least a guy that that – plays both ends of the ice when he's trying line. It's like, you may have just given up a guy that can put up 40 goals in the regular season, but when he doesn't, you're playing, you are playing down a man at that point. And what do you think of Dubois? I mean, I think he's a number one center. I don't think he's a franchise guy. I think he's a good player, but I don't know. Is he a team that can, is, is he a guy that can, maybe he doesn't have to where he is now, but between what we just talked about with that shift and his, his, his attitude, I don't know. What, how are you feeling about this guy uh, in your franchise right now? I mean, I'd still I still take him. Yeah, I, the talent level. That, like, I don't think he's a franchise guy, but he's a number one center that I think would be good enough at his peak you could win a cup with. Like, I, I don't think he would be a hindrance to potentially winning a cup because he's your first-line your first line center. But I, I don't know how you overlook what happened there. I, I guess you can, you can say there's – issues with the front office issues with Tortorella and he did that, but you know, there's still going to be a lot of players and a lot of fans and a lot of people around the league that go, you quit on your team in living color mid game. Like if, if you want to 
you know, talk, you know what, after the game or demand trades, you do all that, but you still got to play for your teammates between the lines for 60 minutes. He didn't do that. And it's going to take a lot. And it's not just going to be success. It's going to take a lot of being a good teammate and effort to kind of get over that reputation. I think he can. I think it's possible, but it's going to take more than one season. And it's going to take more than just a good statistical year to get, to get over that because that's still going to be something that people don't forget. Yeah, you can do that once. You can quit on your teammates once. And, and yeah, I think it is. That's worse than, like, I mean, we saw we saw Blake Wheeler force his way out of here. We saw Kyle Turris essentially force his way out of here. Different circumstances, certainly. But that's one thing I think players respect, you know, given the case. It's case by case. But players respect, hey, you know, my teammate has a problem with ownership and he's asking for a trade or he's going to push his way out or even a holdout a lot more than they respect. He's on the ice with me and he's hanging me out to dry. You know, that, that, is, that is where, to your point, Jamie, it's going to take more than, hey, just uh, Dubois is playing well in, 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 uh, in Winnipeg now. Like, no, he's going to have to earn the trust of his teammates and the trust back of the fans. Absolutely. Look, and just to make another cross-sport reference here, at some point, Doug Peterson is going to be a coach somewhere. And at some point, people in the locker room are going to look, maybe not a head coach, but they're going to look at him and go, boy, is that the guy that basically tanked a game on national television? Uh, I mean, yeah, at, the answer will be how, yes. how do you not think about that? And again, I know you can look at this from a fan perspective and you really want your team to win. You do everything, but these guys are putting their physical livelihoods on the line. And for some of them, paychecks, like a bad game could be the difference between getting an NHL play paycheck and an AHL paycheck. The literally the next day, uh, you can't quit on your teammates on the ice like that. Like I, you have your own problems, you know, force your trade, say you don't want whatever it is. But once that game starts, you can't do that. Like you just can't. Yeah. I mean, Craig, gee, I guess to answer your earlier question, I obviously live in Arizona where the Coyotes haven't had a true number one center consistently for a long time. So yeah, I would take him. And I certainly Winnipeg would love, I mean, it works nice for Winnipeg because they already have Shifley, but what he pulled on his way out of Columbus, I lost a lot of, I don't know if the words respect or trust. It's not like a permanent thing. Like he could get it back. But now if you had asked me a year ago, it'd have been like, yeah, I'll give you almost whatever you want for Dubois. Now it's kind of like, yeah, if things aren't going great, is he just going to be like, yeah, you know, all I really care about is myself. That's a fair question to ask now. Yep. Hey, look, uh, we've talked for an hour and we haven't even gotten to the Coyotes yet. And there's only one note left on the NHL notes and it involves Minnesota. So I don't the know. Coyotes what it is. I was thinking we could cut that if, if yeah, you want to. Let's just drop that out. All right. So the Coyotes, uh, let's start with, let's start on defense with, uh, well, I guess the roommates, OEL and Victor Soderstrom. We got to see Victor Soderstrom play. And hopefully we get to see Oliver Ekman Larson play here soon. Yeah, I mean Victor Soderstrom played two games, and, and look, I, I I saw some good things from him. I don't think he did anything to damage his stock. No, it's just clear that he needs to get physically stronger. He needs to learn some of the defensive details, kind of those things that they 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 probably already knew. And now he's going to go down to Tucson and and play a lot of games and a lot of minutes in a lot of situations. That, to me, is the exact move that you have to make with Victor Soderstrom. I, I keep wondering if they should do it with Barrett Hayton, to be honest, as well. But, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think this is a good situation for Victor. I'm glad that they made this decision. Um, and, and as you mentioned, uh, there's a lot of things happening on the Coyotes' blue line right now. I think Oliver ekman Larson could be back in the lineup as soon as a week from now. And, hey, Ilya Lubushkin has finally arrived in the United States after, you know, like two months of trying through the American <laughs> Embassy. Um, quickly on Soderstrom, he got to play the two games. They were against Vegas of all teams. And, you know, like you said, he didn't do anything to, to 
hurt our view of him. And he didn't do anything to hurt the Coyotes. They beat Vegas in one of those games. And the other one was the one nothing loss on the weird play that should have been icing that wasn't. Um, so I, I think that's like a nice glimpse for the Coyotes fans of, hey, you got a guy here that, you know, he just, he, like you said, he's got to get more physical. He's got to put on more weight. He's just got to, he's still so young. Yeah. But he seems comfortable out there. He already seemed comfortable, even in those games against Vegas. The plan all along was, or certainly should have been, spend this year in Tucson. And then Bill Armstrong is his maybe greatest strength is being able to find prospects and develop them. So not a surprise. They're not leaning on him. So let me ask you, do you think they should do it with Barrett Hayton? Who is only like eight months older than Victor Soderstrom? I mean, I don't know what you've seen from Hayton. I don't think he's made any major mistakes. He makes a lot of smart plays. You, you can see that he has good hockey sense, but he hasn't really been a dynamic guy and he has one point. He has one goal. Yeah. Just and it was a nice goal. It was, it was a great setup from behind the net, but yeah, it, I, I just don't think he's brought much dynamic play and clearly hasn't brought production. This is where as a, as an organization, you need to know your player individually and, and they need to be able to say, is Barrett Hayton a guy who's going to get better simply by getting reps at the NHL level, even if he's not scoring or is, does he need a confidence boost? And we sent him to Tucson and he probably is one of the best players in the AHL by the end of the season and that's better for him. That's just, I think that's, that's individual, but you're right. It, he's not, he's not really doing much. I don't know that he's hurting the team, but he can't be this guy forever. So whatever's going to develop him, you gotta, you gotta put him down that path. You already lost think, last year. I mean, yeah. yeah. What's the last year? I, Go ahead, and look, I think you got to do whatever you can to at least make the attempt to let him see if he can work it out at center. And that might be because you have, might have to do it at the AHL level. But to me, just throwing up your hands and having him as a middle six wing is a complete L. Like it is. And it might be, I know it's not Armstrong's draft pick. I get that. But you got to give him every opportunity to at least be a 2C in your future. And that right now, like they clearly don't trust him enough to put him in that spot now. And there's, they're, they're on at least, they think there's at least they have a chance to make the playoffs. So they're not going to just yeah. throw him out there to throw him out there. It's not a lost season for Arizona. But yeah, coming off of last year's lost year for Barrett Hayton, I would I don't think it's a bad move to send him down to Tucson for a while. If he blows you away, you call him back up. That's a great problem to have. But some confidence in the uh, in the offense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and, but, and look, the reality is is you have weird divisions. You there's no guarantee you're going to get through the full season. You have all these if you're going to send him down, if you're going to have lost years for injury or for whatever else, Last season, this season are the ones. Like, let's be honest. I mean, it really, I, really are. I do think he's going to play center a lot more now. Uh, Derek Broussard, first of all, has made it clear that he he feels more comfortable on the wing at this point in his career. And I, to be honest, I think it shows when he's on the ice. So their problem is who do we p- replace Barrett Hayton with? But I, to me, that can't be the mindset. You have to make sure that Barrett Hayton is developed properly. You can't worry about the short term this one season if it means – Putting Freddie Gauthier into the lineup as as your fourth center, do it. If you really think Barrett Hayton is better off in Tucson, and again, like you said, Luke, you, you got to know your guy, you got to understand your guy. But if you believe he's better off in Tucson, and it's just a matter of you don't have enough bodies at the NHL level, that's not a good enough reason to keep Barrett Hayton with the Coyotes. Yeah, when you said Freddie Gauthier, I thought I really thought you were going to say Freddie Schuster for a second, and I was like, wow, we're taking this podcast back Hostrom. like fifteen years. Hostrom, as I was oh, correct. Sorry, Hostrom. Uh, no, I, I think, you know, to what Jamie said, he, Hayton's not Bill Armstrong's guy, but also at the same time, he was your, what, he was the fifth overall pick like two years ago. So he is, he is one of your best assets, if not your absolute best. And so, yeah, you can't, 
you can't just say like, well, we need to fill out our NHL lineup. That, that doesn't work. You, this season in a lot of ways, it's about making the playoffs with the team you have. But the second biggest priority, I think, is making sure you get Barrett Hayton from where he is now to being a top two center on your team. He has to be. That's, that's why you drafted him as high as you did. And I want to be clear, it's not like he's behind schedule right now, but you got to make, but he's not where he needs to be long-term either. Like you, there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah. And again, going back to last year with, and look, there were, there were a lot of circumstances there. He, nobody expected him to get hurt at world juniors. They thought he was going to come back and play right after that. And it would be a nice springboard for him confidence wise to step into the lineup. And then he couldn't do it because of the shoulder injury. So some of that was beyond their control, but you could probably make an argument that in the final analysis, he should have stayed in junior last year and just built his confidence. So you can go back and forth on that one. But again, I just, to me, the AHL is the perfect spot for him right now. I, I don't see, I just don't see it happening at this level right now. Maybe that'll change over the next 10 games, but man, you can't blow this one. You just can't blow this one. Let's um here. Let's get. I know Jamie's got to go. Let's get him out of here with a Buffalo-related comment. Craig has this beautiful mind note in his notes. Taylor Hall has nine points in ten games for Buffalo. The five other former Coyotes have four points combined. So that's in the throws a step on Richardson, Soderberg, and Grabner. And the five guys who replaced them have ten points. This feels like a SAT question. I know. I think I, is there like an essay question that comes after this? Well, what, yeah. Here it is. Yes. What time will the train arrive? <laughs> What, what, what time would what, you have to catch a train to Buffalo, Jamie? What, what time is the Taylor Hall trade happening? <laughs> uh, when's the trade deadline again? Uh, so I guess, Jamie, before you go, your thoughts on the Buffalo Sabres now that they've added Taylor Hall to Jack Eichel and are still not doing anything. Uh, well, one, I'm not shocked. On either front, that Taylor Hall's having a ton of success with Jack Eichel does not shock me at all. It shouldn't. Uh, that also Buffalo is still nothing doesn't really shock me at all. I mean, they're 4-4-2, four, four like whatever. Like, this is what they are. Like, they're just – they're not a well-put-together hockey team, and they haven't been for a while. I, I just – I understand – Taylor Hall's awesome, but he signed there to get traded. Make the most yeah. money you can this year. Get traded to a contender at the deadline. Go get hot and then try to get a new contract when the CBA was more advantageous to him, which maybe it may or may not be. Who knows? We thought the world was going to be in a different spot a few several months ago when that happened than it is now. But – it's just they're not a well-put-together squad. They're really not. And they missed on a lot of young guys that they wanted, that like from years back with his Gergensen's, Grigorenko. Ristolainen is still – talk about a guy that's in the lineup just because of his pedigree and not because of his production. It's Ristolainen, and I don't, I don't know what the issue is there. I mean, they've missed on – I mean, they, they signed Jeff Skinner after like one good season and are just stuck with that awful contract. Like, I don't – they're just not a well-put-together team. They have a couple superstars on that top line, and that is where they are. Yeah, and by the way, a couple superstars on the top line doesn't make the playoffs. Uh, ask Edmonton. Ever. If you could go back in time to right before the 2015 draft lottery and, and basically go on TSN at that time and say, yeah, the two teams that get McDavid and Eichel aren't going to do anything with them. Yeah, people would have lost their minds. And maybe when, when the ping pong balls came up that it was Edmonton and Buffalo, people would have been like, okay, that makes more sense. But, I mean, at the time, it's like, really? You, you're going to get McDavid and Eichel, who, by the way, haven't been disappointments, and right. do nothing with them. What would they say about the third team? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, they would say that the third pick was going to eventually end up in Chicago. I don't know. None of those picks near the top of that draft have had much uh, team success. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> Rotnin kind of. <laughs> the rest of that draft's amazing. By the way, it's still it, it is, and it also we, we we really shouldn't let the Boston Bruins off the hook for three straight picks of 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 Zaboral Debrusque is my middle better, but Zaboral Debrusque extension. Yeah. No, but they've been to the Stanley Cup since then, so they get a little bit of a they break. Have. Um, Man. Jamie, do you have to go, or do you want to talk about Colorado here? I'll do one more. I'll do one more question, comment, concern, whatever we're doing. So the Coyotes' upcoming schedule, six straight road games beginning tomorrow with two in St. Louis, this upcoming weekend with two early games in Minnesota, and then next week two games in Colorado. So since I would assume Clayton Keller gets back on track at least for the next two games because they're playing St. Louis, and he always plays his best against them, then I would assume we all fall asleep for the two weekend games against Minnesota. And uh, gives up nine goals in two games. Oh, no. And then, uh, and then Jamie becomes the world's biggest Coyotes fan the following week just because that's the team that's playing Colorado. Well, look, as a lifelong Avalanche fan, mm. uh, I, I can say that. I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. They're, oh, by the way, speaking of fun Avalanche players, the last week, week and a half, hello, Brandon Saad. Yeah, it's just this hurts me. This it's just hurtful. I, I don't know why you would say that. I don't know why you oh, would bring that up. I do. Right before first, you leave, too. I know. Right before Craig kicks you out of the Zoom call. I mean, I was the one who invited you here, Jamie. That is true. That is true. Do we know anything about Nathan McKinnon? Is there an update? By the way, I didn't see today because I was driving down the mountains. Uh, no, I haven't seen much today. I, he still had two points in that game when he got hurt. But, uh, no, I haven't seen a, a big update today. It feels like a lot um, of good players missed, have missed time. Uh, Dater says miss one to two weeks. Injury, injury isn't serious, but not nothing. Yeah, so we'll miss the Coyotes. Quote. Look at that. Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, working out for maybe. It's, it, well, one to two weeks, so he could come back just in time for the Coyotes, which most star players have done in like the last that's four true. years. Yeah. yeah, that has been a tradition. I remember, I don't, I don't know if it was Malkin or who it was, somebody got hurt. And we figured out when the Coyotes played them next, and it was like two and a half months later, and we just circled that date as when they'd come back. And, of course, that was the exact date they came back. And it wasn't like a division game or a rivalry game. It's just I'm convinced guys get hurt, and they're like, okay, your target date when, during rehab is, is focus on the next time you play the Coyotes to come back. Arizona Coyotes, the runway of the NHL. Absolutely. By the way, before I sign off, I just got to go a call back to my last show that I was on. We named like the best players to each position, and I called a Johnny Gaudreau big comeback. Six goal, 10th point tonight. So, you know. That's Johnny Hockey's have, back, baby. That's why you have the Eisner banner behind you. Yeah. <laughs> He's pointing to it. I'm glad this is just a podcast. All right, Jamie. Enjoy your snow. Uh, I will. Uh, thank you, guys. And I look forward to listening to the remainder of this podcast when it's posted to hear all the uh, the crap you talk about me. So oh, can't yeah. wait. I would just fast forward ahead an hour and 20 minutes because that's when can't it's going to get wait. aggressive. All right, See you, everybody. That, Bye, Gilbert. You, <laughs> Bye. <laughs> that was Jamie Eisner, and he is gone. All right, so now I'm going to hit record for real cool. now that he has left. Uh, anything else you want to hit on with the Coyotes before we go to uh, – Listener yeah, questions. I think we got most of it. It just one one other point of interest is that I think Jordan Gross is going to get a longer look from Rick Tockett just simply because he's right-handed and you know he did some good things um, in in the couple games that he played. Um, he really, really is focused on that left-right split now. It, it, it and their their analytics, their internal analytics, are saying the same thing that he's seeing. They're just not getting out of their zone as fast when they have a guy that is you know playing on his offhand offhand on the the right side. 
It just takes that extra second to switch over from the backhand to the forehand once they go D-to-D with the pass. And and in that time, the four checkers that were deep in the zone can get back above the play, and you got to come through the entire team in the neutral zone. Rick Tockett wants to play north. He wants to play fast. And that is uh, a hindrance for them, the fact that they have five left-handed defensemen. So I think Jordan Gross is going to get a look. And as soon as Ilya Labushkin is ready to enter the lineup, he's going to get a look. We could see three right-handed defensemen in the Coyotes lineup. The question then becomes, who comes out? Yeah, and that's a good question because you would figure at some point Oliver's coming back here too. Um, Labushkin in particular, I know probably if you're not a Coyotes fan, you're like, okay, big deal. If you watch the Coyotes – Look, first of all, the defense has been it, – it's been a strength for years, and it's still the strength this year. So I'm not I'm, I'm not railing on the defense. But they don't have a guy like Labushkin that punishes other teams' players for standing in front of the net. Some teams you get away with it. Like, I didn't feel like it was an issue against San Jose or Anaheim. But against Vegas, they just exposed – Vegas was just standing guys in front of, of Kemper, and nobody was moving them. And it was – I mean, not some Kadri last year in the playoffs – Kadri's like he's a decent sized guy but it's not like we're talking about Chara in front of your net nobody could move Kadri he was able to just go right to the net every time yeah Labushkin taking a few more steps he doesn't need to be an, a Norris Trophy candidate but they really need a guy like him and if he can't be that guy I would hope Armstrong goes out and gets a guy like that whether it's next offseason or whatever because it's not like those guys are that's not a number one center you're looking for but they need a big physical defenseman you can find those and I think you need a guy to play in your top four, a guy who you know is going to be in your top four. And I think that will be a focus of Bill Armstrong's as well. Yeah, I, I, Labushkin's going to be in the lineup. They need that element so badly. A guy who can box out, a guy who's going to hit guys in the corner and and it's going to mean something. He's going to play when he's ready. And and I don't think it's going to be long. Uh, both Rick Tockett and, and Ilya said, you know, maybe two to three practices. He's, yeah. He plays a simple game, so it's not like there's a lot that he has to hone. I think he'll be in there really soon. Oliver Ekman Larson, I know we've said this on the show before, he can't be your physical presence on defense. Ooh. He's already he's on your top defensive pairing. He's your top defenseman. He's your captain. He's asked to provide offense. And when he doesn't do that, I understand that being a valid criticism. But we, a lot of times when you see something in front of the net or something happen with a Coyotes goalie or something happen to a Coyotes player, Oliver is always the one that, that step. He, that's not that should not be his role. It just shouldn't. You need a bigger, more physical guy than him to be to be that guy. And yeah. to your just, point, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, to your point, Labushkin, if he's going to be in the, the bottom pairing, like that's fine, but you're right. It'd be nice to have a guy in the, in the top four because he's just going to be out there more against the other team's best players. I need to say this because this, this to me is just like the narrative that Dave Tibbet didn't know how to coach offensive players. There's this prevalent belief among Coyote fans that Rick Tockett doesn't coach a physical game. He doesn't want them to play a physical game. <laughs> and it's, I mean, you have talked to him as well. He's been screaming about this for three years. He has yeah. wanted a physical element, both both ends of the ice. He wants more net front guys. He would have loved to have a Kachuk brother in the lineup for him. He wants that style of play without question. So when I see people suggesting in various spaces, social media, et cetera, that he doesn't want to play a physical game, I just, I just laugh. I'm just like, I, you have no idea what you're talking about if you are throwing that out there as a theory. You literally have no idea what you're talking about, and you are 100% wrong. Go watch Rick Tockett. Go watch old film of Rick Tockett playing and tell me he doesn't want physical players on his team. I am very 
uh, I'm just very interested to see, because Bill Armstrong wants to play a more physical game. And I feel like him and Rick Tockett are on the same page. And I've asked Bill Armstrong, and he's like, yeah, we, you know, we see the game the same way. I think this team is going to get a lot more physical in the next, I don't know, let's say two years, in the sense that guys on the team are either going to be playing more physical or they're going to bring guys in. And uh, to your point on the Kachucks, man, would they, they miss Brady Kachuk by one pick, and they miss Matthew Kachuk, who I know, I know everybody hates Matthew Kachuk, but other than like McDavid, if you're looking at a player that fits exactly what the Coyotes need, is there a better one than Matthew Kachuk who's going to be physical, who's going to start stuff, who's going to defend his teammates and also pump in 30 goals a year? They missed him by one pick in that draft. That's Brad, Brad Tree Living's fault. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Listener questions? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's, um, okay, let's go. Uh, let's start with Steve. Give us three things the Yotes are doing well in the early games that they should build on and three things they need to improve. All right, I'll go. Uh, ozone, ozone time has been good. Really yep. like that. Um, Darcy Kemper has been back to his normal self. I, I was a little concerned that he wasn't early on, but then I, I shouldn't have been because this season was so hard to prepare for for a goalie. But he looks, uh, he looks razor sharp again. That's, that's obviously something that the Coyotes have to have to be successful. You want to pick a third thing? Go ahead. Uh, third thing that they've been good at. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do think I, I think that the well, I, I'll just go individually. I, Connor Garland has been as good as he was last year. He's been even more impressive this year. And it's funny because we had him on the podcast. He talked about working on different elements, and I talked to him the other day for a Coyotes podcast, and he said, "Yeah, one the main thing is I wanted to be able to to stop and start and turn quickly with the puck. You can see it, and with his size." A lot of guys can't keep up with him when he's like going to the right and all of a sudden he's going left and right and just like working in that corner. It's, it's been a difference maker to me. The offense has run through Connor Garland so far. Yeah. And it's, man, you watch the beating he's taken to uh, yet going back to the need for a physical player. I don't know how many times I've seen him cross checked in the back and no call. He's getting yeah, beat up yeah. out there because he is a marked man. Now people know it, but I, I just, I know I've said it a million times, but especially when he gets the puck in the corners. I just love watching him because you he, he can't get a clean lick on him. He, he changes direction so fast and gets going full speed the other way, like in like half a step. It's insane to watch. I don't, I don't think I've watched a player who plays the style of game that he plays before. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point because, because we've seen it so obviously evolve in the couple of years he's been at the NHL level. Like It's very clear what he spent the offseason working on if you watch him play because he's now much better at it. That ability to get in the corner and just go back and forth and back and forth till the defense gets tired, that is something – I'm not comparing these two players, but that is something that is really – a, a huge foundation for both Nathan McKinnon and Sidney Crosby. If you watch them, like they'll just, they'll outskate you to the point where you're just like, I just want my shift to be over, you know, and they won't even, and then when you're tired, they'll just put the puck right in the net. Um, three things they could be doing better. Yeah. I mean, cr- net crashing front. the net. Yeah. I mean, just getting pucks and bodies to the net. We all know that. I mean, they're, 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 they've been incredible again at ozone possession time, but they're still, they're staying on the perimeter whether it's those guys that need to dart in and out, you know, the guys that can't just hang in there and take a beating like Keller or, or Garland who still does or Kessel or, you know, Schmaltz, those guys still have to get to the net. They need to attack the net. And then you need your guys like Krause and Pitlick, even Fisher to get to the net, stay there, hang in, get rebounds, get deflections and, and get goals. I mean, Krause is, I feel badly for him. He's snake pit and he's hit three posts. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> things could be going better for him. But yeah, they got to do that without question. Again, the breakout. I mean, they, they got to get out of their zone faster because that's that's what starts the offense. And that's where that's where you see offense from most teams. It's got to come in transition when teams are vulnerable. They don't have numbers back and they're not in their structure. That's where you're going to create your chances and they're just not getting out of the zone fast enough. One of the things that I was encouraged by in that last game against Anaheim, and we'll see if it carries over, if it was just, you know, a couple minutes here or there. I liked, I, you don't often see the Coyotes on the power play the last couple of years get the puck down low and it's, hey, I'm on the right side of the goalie. I'm going to throw it right in front of the goalie to the left side of the goalie. And we saw Phil Kessel probably should have had two power play goals in that game. He set up a power play goal that was ultimately the game winner with similar play. I just feel like there were huge chunks of last season where the Coyotes would just pass the puck on the power play around the perimeter, almost like they thought that they would get credit for, for making passes, but they were pointless passes. And now, and it's really just the last game, but they worked it low and were throwing passes right in front of the opposing goalie. And it wasn't just on the power play, but they got two goals that the other team essentially scored for them on banks. And then the third one was a, was a pass like that on the power play. So I hope they're able to keep doing that. I mean, granted, Anaheim's not very good other than John Gibson. But yeah. I guess, you know, you Anaheim's take what the defense really, gives you. Really not a good team. I, I, I can't – I know I've been saying this, but I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. Like, Anaheim's <laughs> a really bad team. And they do have a really good goalie, though. Uh, Carl. Carl writes it. Yeah. Carl Putnam writes in, it's super early, but any early surprises to either of you? Florida, maybe, is yeah. a suggestion. Yeah, Florida and Montreal. I'd, I'd go with both of those teams. Didn't see either of those coming. Now, now Florida, again – look at their schedule and you understand how they're, where they are. Montreal, I didn't see coming. Yeah, I would say I, I honestly, Montreal surprises me more than Florida just because, you know, partially because of that division. And I, I thought Florida would be better last year than they ultimately were. Minnesota hasn't been great, but they are six and four and they're scoring some goals. Yeah, but they did. I mean, before they just played this two game series with Colorado, which they split, yeah, and they got bombed in the first game, and they came back and won the second game with Nathan McKinnon out of the lineup. Yeah, They had played all California teams before that, so I'm still – you know, the schedule hasn't balanced out yet, so I'm not, I'm not jumping on the Minnesota Wild bandwagon yet. I probably won't ever, actually. No, and I feel like that's a very slow-moving bandwagon. It's like one of those – It does make it easy to jump aboard. Yeah, that's true. You won't, you won't risk any sort of injury. Uh, speaking of – Adam writes in, is Auntie Ranta hurt again? And what, if any, are your favorite hockey podcasts to listen to after Natty Hattie reruns? Uh, Auntie Ranta is not hurt. He is actually going to play on this road trip. He's ready to go. He'll play soon. Uh, Rick Tockett knows he can't just keep riding Darcy Kemper. But in terms of – They haven't other, had a back-to-back yet either. They will next, this yeah, weekend. Yeah, Minnesota. Uh, but in terms of other hockey podcasts, I mean, I, I don't really feel the need to listen to another podcast. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I check in with some of them. I, I, I will occasionally check in on Spit and Chicklets, mainly just because of biz. But I, I, I do. I check in on like a uh, Hockey Central is a good one. I know a lot. This is Elliot too, right? Uh, Thirty One yeah. Thoughts when they do that podcast, I listen to that one too. That that is probably the main one. That like the other ones, I'll miss a lot. But Thirty One Thoughts, I try and check in every time because it's it's either a really good interview or honestly, if you can just get Elliot Friedman talking for forty minutes. A bunch of news will break. I like Jeff Eric too. I, I can listen to either of those guys. Yeah, they both bring up a lot of points, and they're both well informed and well connected. Merrick does a ton of podcasts, and he's yeah. he's very solid. Good follow on Twitter too. Yeah. Um, Kevin, is there any situation where you could see the Coyotes getting their first round pick reinstated? Nope. Yeah, I don't think so. They have to trade for that if they they want it, and I don't know what what's going to bring a first round pick. I honestly don't like. Not even, not even Darcy Kemper. 
maybe at the trade deadline, Darcy Kemper could land you a first round pick, but it just doesn't happen with goalies. So I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't see a way of them getting into the first round next year, which is uh, a real bummer. And then imagine if we don't have a draft this year, like a lot of people are asking because they can't evaluate prospects. Imagine going two years without a, a first round draft pick for the Coyotes. I uh, know. I think if they lose the pick this year, whether there's a draft or not, that should be it. Just, just roll it to next year. Don't uh, they get their pick next year? Yeah. Um, Coach East Jack. I've noticed during interviews, this is a good Craig question. I've noticed during interviews, you never refer to players personally by their hockey nicknames. Is that out of respect, or do you think their nicknames should only be reserved for coaches and players? I wouldn't say it's necessarily out of respect. It's just like, yeah, I, I mean, it's not like I'm buddy-buddy with these guys where I feel like I can call them by their nickname. It's, it's not that kind of relationship. So it's more, it's, it's more a matter of professionalism and just like not inserting myself too much into the, you know, the – the personalities and the the dynamics of the team. I'm, I'm a reporter covering the team. I'm not a part of the team. So I don't really feel like it's my place to start calling guys by their nicknames. I would say the exception, at least for me is with Shane Doan, just being around that team for so long and talking to him. And now he's obviously not playing either. I just know him as donor. That's what everybody calls him. So it feels weird to be like, Hey Shane, how are you? He gives you kind of a strange look. So, but you're right in general, it, it just, it feels it does feel a little bit weird to call a player by their nickname. Yeah. Uh, even though it's very easy to figure out what they are before they ever even play a game. Cause just add ER or S or Y. Yeah. Or Y. Um, Los Coyote, Steve, any indications that we may see Arizona trade a goalie or should we ask again closer to the deadline? Uh, you never know. I mean, if a team has an injury, I, I said this at the start of the season, look, if there are injuries and teams suddenly have a need for a player, you, you could see it happen during the season. This season, you could have injuries more easily because the schedule is condensed. It's, it's harder on the player. So yeah, I, I, I would imagine at some point that's going to happen. If it's not on Tiranta, maybe they'll even think about trading Darcy Kemper. I, I know people are, will gasp when they hear that, but Look, if you're if you're really looking to the future and you're realizing, yeah, it, it, it's not here. We don't have the pieces. Then you have to acquire assets to get those pieces. Uh, I'm trying to find some of like Tron to ask about Tony D, but we've already talked about him. Jim asked about Victor Soderstrom. We've already talked about him. Uh, Loyal Sif asked about Tony D. I don't want to repeat ourselves too much since we already got in. A um, couple people, Craig, asking about the league's perception of John Chica. Uh, Brandon wrote in that, that Craig said Chaika wasn't very well liked around the league. Any idea why? And I'm just going to use that as all the Chaika questions. Do you have any comments there? Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people that thought he, he got his position without earning it. And that, and as if you know, the NHL, it's, it's an old boys network and that, that doesn't sit well with a lot of guys who are trying to get to where John Chaika was. So that bugged a lot of people to me, that, that side of it, I just laugh at, like, it's not your it's not your decision. If an executive felt that they wanted to put John Chaika in that position, that's the way it is. Sorry, deal with it. Um, there, I know I had some people telling me he always acted like he was the smartest guy in the room. Well, he's a smart guy. So if, if you felt offended by that, maybe that's your problem. But then there's some of these other things, obviously, that have come up. That some, of the, some of the moves that he's made, some of the problems that the Coyotes have gotten into – that stuff maybe maybe gives you an indication of why some other people didn't like him. So it, it's it's a mixed bag there. Look, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trash a guy that I I have had a relationship with for five years. I know a lot of people are ready to throw everything on John Chaika, and he certainly made a lot of mistakes. And there may be more as we start evaluating this team as it goes forward with some of those contracts. But like like most things, there's nuance to everything, right? <laughs> there is yeah. there's not 
it's not black and white. There's a lot of gray area. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the contracts. I will just reiterate, as I've been saying now for two years on the show, there is one of those contracts. I understand signing your young core pieces, big picture, especially when you are the coyotes who traditionally have had an issue of maybe letting their guys go and not being able to keep them. I understand the desire to, to sign your, your young guys that you took early in drafts and try and get that core that you, I would assume if you're trying to draft them, you're confident in, you want to keep that core together for a long time. There's one contract I've been worried about and I'm still very worried about it and it's going to go for another seven ish years. So we'll see. Um, That that could be a a real defining contract of his, of his tenure that Clayton Keller's got it. I know who you're talking about. It's Clayton Keller. Well, it's not hard to figure it out. (laughs) Got to, he's got to show more this season. I mean, this is the first year of the contract, but it's time. I mean, Bill Armstrong has made it clear with that group of middle group of players that are no longer young players in the NHL. It's time to take a bigger piece of the pie and, and show that you're, you're worth that contract. Uh, they, they need to see a lot more from Clayton Keller. Yeah. And I will say this about Keller. He, he has put in the work off the ice. Like I, I don't think there were times in the past where it was kind of like, he maybe we wondered if he felt like he had already arrived and, and there was, you know, he was already got the whole NHL thing figured out. I don't get that feeling from him anymore. I feel like he really is putting in, in the time and the effort. Not that he wasn't putting in the time before, but I, I think he realizes, Hey, it's not, it's not just, I got paid. So I'm set. I think he realizes I got to do more, but he really does because now, I mean, you're paying him, you're paying him. Like if I start reading off the names of, of players in this league who are making less money than Clayton Keller and he's signed for the better part of the next decade, these are not guys like, Oh, that guy would be good. It's like Brad Marchand, Max Pacioretty, Nathan McKinnon. These are guys making less than Clayton Keller. They, they don't need him to be a hundred point guy, but they need him to be that guy. He was his rookie year at least. Yep. Nope. So no. we'll see. Uh, all right, Craig, that was a lot more fun after Jamie left. <laughs> That's just- all right. It's, uh, it's, it's the truth. All right. That's, uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, unless you have anything else, Craig, I got nothing. Okay. So we tapped out right around two hours. Yeah. Um, for Jamie Eisner, for Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the natural hat trick.